Hello and welcome to 90% Hits, a podcast about the number one singles in Australia throughout the 90s. My name is Danny Yao and with me as usual is Tim Coyle. Go! <laughs> Casey Atkins. What? <laughs> Hello. And down the line from the Gold Coast, Tim Byron. <laughs> yeah, he's done nothing. I got nothing. Hello. <laughs> hello. He was going to pull out a vuvuzela. Um, <laughs> well, here we are in uh, the start of 1998, where this is where we're up to. Uh, we've got another five songs to talk about tonight. We might as well get straight into it. And this song, our first song of tonight, was number one for seven weeks from the 22nd of March, 1998. And this is All Saints with Never Ever. A few questions that I need to know. How you could ever hurt me so. I need to know what I've done wrong And how long it's been going on Was it that I never paid enough attention Or did I not give enough affection Not only will your answers keep me sane But I'll know never to make the same mistake again You can tell me to my face Or even on the phone write it in a letter either way I have to know did I never treat you right did I always start the fight either way I'm going out of my mind all the answers to my questions I have to find my head spin Never ever number one for seven weeks in 1998. Quite a quite a big chart. Uh, it's actually the longest charting uh, run of any single in 1998. Uh, let's really? see what we all think about it. Uh, Casey Atkins, why don't we start with you? Um, look, I remember this song. I remember this song pretty well, and it was one of those things where I, I think I was so slightly starting to get over things like this. Um, actively bothering me and I could let this one pass and didn't think it was that bad for what it was and I still don't think it's that bad for what it is. Um, I was actually expecting to like it a little bit more when I listened to it this week. Um, I th- some, something in my memory has it having a little bit more to it. Um, but but it's still, I guess it's still pretty worthy. I don't know whether it's worthy of seven weeks at number one. But, I mean, I guess the funniest thing about it is that little monologue at the start. And in my head, 
I just had a nice little laugh today because in my head I just there was just set up this conversation between her and the and the guy from Boys to Men. (laughs) 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 Yes, well we'll be doing that mix. This collaboration needs to happen. There's a project for Tim Byron. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Uh, Tim Coyle. Yeah, look, this week is it's a funny one because. You don't quite know where your bearings are, and we'll, we'll kind of get onto that a little um, <laughs> in a bit. And I, I think Casey touched on it that we all knew this moment was coming where there's a break with us and the charts. Mm. And this is kind of it for me because, yeah, I remember this being at, at number one. I was also in the UK at the same time that this was number one, and they were huge over there as well. This is kind of it for me. After this, it's just all... They're from there, right? They're British, yeah? Uh, yeah. Well, they're kind of a, um, a blend of a bit of everything. I think there's a Canadian member, French oh, okay. member. But they were a British group. They were based in the UK. They were yeah. a British creation. But, um, yeah, after this, it's kind of... I look at the list that we... That we um, compile this whole project from. I'm like, what? Really? That? Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that at all, kind of thing. So this is this is kind of it for me. And yeah, I, I agree with Casey. It's, it's all right. Um, it, it's a pretty it's a pretty good attempt at that um, at a classic R and B kind of song, girl group song, and they do it pretty well. T- Tim Byron's touched on it in a couple of podcasts previously that. Um, kind of where R&B was at the time, there's something a little slack and lazy about it that it's just kind of delivered with this shrug. And I think it's meant to be nonchalance, but it just comes across as being very, very slack and lazy. Whereas I think kind of the charm of those 60s R&B hits and even a lot of the early 90s R&B stuff that we've covered was that uh, it had a lot of commitment in the performance and that, I don't feel that here. No, it's just, you know, they mumble their way through it. And look, there's some good things such as I think the harmonies uh, are quite good, but that really lazy beat and just kind of um, monotone mumbling (laughs) their way through it. I I thought this is a classic case of there's a good song in here, but this is not quite it, but, you know, not too bad. And we'll, we'll probably touch on where this song sits within these five <laughs> a, little, <laughs> in a little bit. Tim Byron. Well, yeah, for me, I, I knew that, like, All Saints were meant to be the kind of Rolling Stones to the Spice Girls Beatles at the time, I guess. <laughs> I don't know whether they're the, the Rolling Stones to the right. Beatles or the Jan and Dean to the Beach Boys, but, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, this is, like, it, it's funny because this is sort of, soul, gospel soul for girls who knew soul from the Sister Act movies. Yeah. <laughs> you mean that's like soul? Yeah. Well, it, you know, like, it's not no, a really commitment to soul, Danny. Yeah, it's the commitments kind of soul. And, um, and yeah, you, you know, like the lyrics are all like, never ever have I felt so sad. And they don't sound sad. They just sound like they're singing any fucking old song. Like they just, you know, the next song on the album, they would sing exactly the same way. Like, and, and so yeah. it's just frustrating that like, you know, give this, this, this song to like Sharon Jones or Beyonce or like someone like that. And they'll nail it. They'll like, you know, they'll um, take this song and make the, make it sound like they're actually fucking sad. But um, <laughs> no, it's not happening in this one. At the same time, this is a great song as a song. The performance of it's kind of shit. Uh, it, it, but it works at the time because it does that kind of Spice Girlsy thing, and that's what people kind of wanted at the time. So that's why it was a hit. 
but like the performance just doesn't quite work in in the long term. Listening to this fifteen years later, and but as a song, as like a bunch of melodies and words and stuff, it's awesome. And um, yeah, I'm I'm sort of hoping that one day Sharon Jones will cover this, and you know the the world will um will, will rejoice. Danny, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's okay. Uh, I remember at the time it wasn't huge in my life, but I remember hearing it and going, "Well, I mean, this feels like a big song. It feels like a debut single. But there's mm. so much part of it, and that film clip looks so cool, and they kind of look cool, and it was such a big statement. I remember very much uh, a lot of people loving this song, a lot of girls loving this song as well. It does the thing that uh, I, when I went and saw the Bengals and they did Eternal Flame, <laughs> yeah. like every woman in the crowd was just like, this song, just singing just about me. And I can just imagine that All Saints... If they're even still around, I didn't actually look that up. Uh, oh, they've re- reformed or disbanded a few times. Yes, which, right. And Wikipedia is quite interesting because the their current phase is 2013 to present. 2013 <laughs> to present. <laughs> which, which present is 2013. But like, I imagine that this song still is fantastic in concert just for the nostalgia and just the, for the emotional note that it hits. I think there's lots of interesting things going on, the blending of yeah. the voices. It's the... You know, it isn't a very individualistic performance, but it kind of makes it sound like every woman because of it. Kind of got a nice groove. The beginning bit is a bit annoying. I was making fun of it earlier about basically being Amazing Grace, which is what it is. And it's very long too. Like it does go on for a lot longer than you think for like a radio single. Yeah, but it was, they were doing it to make it look statementy. you know, yeah. like it was just a... Yeah, I don't know. It's it's an okay song. I don't mind it. Uh, I think I like it a lot more than a couple of other people around the table. But yeah, it's it's fine. It's a fine thing. And yeah, I think Tim Byron's <laughs> right that there's there's maybe a cover version out there that someone needs to do that would really kick this song home. And they would lop off the intro if they did. <laughs> um, so we mentioned the Spice Girls. This really is... This band couldn't exist without the Spice Girls in the way that, you know, you wouldn't have Christina Aguilera if it wasn't for Britney Spears. Mm. You wouldn't have Black Keys if it wasn't for the White Stripes. Um, you know, they, they paved that way. And, yeah, the fact that it's a sort of multicultural, you could almost pretend that you're one of the members of All Saints. They were anonymous enough uh, that you could, you know, it's, it's almost like um, the Sugar Babes who came afterwards where... They basically just kept replacing members and no one noticed. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. Do we have any feelings about the All Saints? No. Either way? No. no I this really is, don't. This is, this, is kind of, this is kind of it, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially in, a- Austra- in Australia. Uh, I think there was maybe another single or something that didn't do nearly so well. They were a lot bigger in the UK. Mm. There's a couple of singles. They had a couple of singles in Australia that were top 10 singles, like one called Pure Shores, which is the kind of thing that you'll listen to. Like, if you go and listen to it on YouTube now, you'll, you'll sit there and go, oh, yeah, that song. I, I know that song. Okay, like, it, Pure it, it Shores is fr- yeah, fucking pure, amazing. It's from I the, love that song. It's from the film The Beach. Yeah, yes, it, is, yeah. it is one of the greatest pop female groups, pop singles ever, and it was pr- produced by William Orbit. I suggest all listeners go and listen to it. Yeah. Oh, I, just, I just mean that um, in terms of like, it's one of those songs that you wouldn't realise it was by All Saints, but like, and the, and the title of the song isn't something that like immediately brings no. a, an earworm into your head. It, do, you it doesn't have that it. signature stamp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that All Saints sound that made them famous. Well, the five minute, five minute intro, which is just kind of strung out and kind of mm. one yeah. syllable. <laughs> it was produced uh, by William Orbit, and he I think he obviously had the song, and it was around the time he did Beautiful Stranger by Madonna. Mm. and Ray of Light. Uh, and 
1999 by Blur and Beth Orton Records. So it was basically anything that he did at that time I was buying. Um, they also did a cover of Under the Bridge. Yeah, I was about to bring that one up. It's, um, <laughs> it's awful. Back with Lady Marmalade. And I, I remember clearly at the time going, that song's not old enough to be covered. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Like, this is a backed with Lady Marmalade. This is pre yeah, the... Pre the pink. Right. And the Christina. other three slots. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's funny, though, with covers. Like, you, you think about... It's funny, though, with covers, like, you think about the Beatles and, like, you know, them covering, like, you know, Chuck Berry songs, and they're all, they were all about, like, six years old when they covered them, you know. Oh, and, and um, they did Elvis songs, and they did Buddy Holly songs, and they did, you know, all of that. But yeah. it's like, have you seen um, Jimi Hendrix playing Like a Rolling Stone at Monterey uh, yeah, Festival yeah. in 1967? Like, this, it's a pretty new song, really. Yeah, well, all along the Watchtower. Oh, no, all along the Watchtower. Mr. Tambourine yeah, yeah. Man, the Pertz version. And, and I've thought a lot about this recently because now you, 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 mm. if someone was to cover a song from three years ago now, you'd go... Really, that's a bit, you know, that that's a bit swift. What what's that about? But back in the sixties, it was happening all the time. But you know, to some degree, there's always a bringing that song to people who haven't heard it before. But that song was so big, mm. you know. It's like I understand. Like I mean, a really good example in recent times is Valerie, the yeah. Amy Winehouse one, which yeah. you know, Zootons were an indie band. That song might have got played on Triple J for a bit, and then it was just everywhere. Uh, like she brought that great song to a lot of people. But yeah, Under the Bridge. Who was listening to that and thought, great, but if only the All Saints sung it. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I don't know, uh, maybe one of the members of the All Saints was really into the song because of how much heroin they'd done. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the one that married Liam Gallagher? Really? Yes, I know, that's the other <laughs> Seriously? Thing, right? Songbird is written about. One of the All Saints. Oh, this is the this is the Britpop version of Kanye Which one? and please, Kim Kardashian. Please tell me that it's uh, Chesney. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's one of the Appletons. I can't remember which one. It's Nicole Appleton. Oh, yeah. Dear. So that's the thing. Like, oh, I wanted it to be Chesney. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Chesney again. Yeah. The Mancunian accent. <laughs> she went yeah. out with Robbie Williams as well, which is uh, which which does knit Liam Gallagher and Robbie Williams' relationship sort of wonders, I'm sure. So, <laughs> <laughs> Our second old song of tonight was number one for four weeks from the 10th of May, 1998. And this is Shania Twain with You're Still the One. Looks like we made it. Look how far we've come, my baby. We might have took the long way. We knew we'd get there someday. They said, I bet. They'll never make it, but just look at us holding on. We're still together, still going strong. Still, you're still the one I run to, the one that I belong to. You're still the one I. Okay, that was You're Still the One, Shania Twain, uh, number one in 1998. Tim Coyle, is she still the one? (laughs) (laughs) She's still something. (laughs) 
Uh, uh, look, I've got one question with this. What the hell were the Canadian legislature doing in the 90s? All this is going on, and they didn't, didn't introduce laws or anything. <laughs> <laughs> and look, it causes international incidents. Look, oh, God, this is so dreadful. And look, there's nothing I can say about this that distinguishes it in any way from, some, uh, from the Celine Dion songs. That we've yeah. talked about because it's exactly the same mm. as all those, except it's got a mandolin in the background. And the only thing is... Which makes Sh- it a country song, Yeah, Sh- Shania Twain's voice is even more anonymous and characterless than Celine Dion's. It's just such a nothing voice. I mean, you know, she hits notes fine, but there's nothing there. Nothing in that voice says, um, you know, anything of who she is or it speaks of any character whatsoever. And, you know, that's this song all over. It's just super slick. Um, kind of when we talked about the uh, Celine Dion songs, I kind of brought up the, uh, brought up the idea that um, there's... Brought up the idea that, look, there's, there's no actual individuality to these songs and there's none here as well. And that's the thing. She delivers a line of, look what we could be missing. And I'm like, tell me. What, <laughs> what could you be missing? You don't describe anything at all about this person who is still the one for you. There's no mm. uh, actual blood and guts to this relationship at all. And I guess if you're married to Mutt Lang, you wouldn't really want to kind of talk about any of that stuff either. Um, because, you know, what the hell could be there? Um, yeah, it's- Millions and millions yeah. of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. let's, return, let's return to Mutt. But yes, yeah, it's it's just so deeply mediocre in every single way, and like the All Saints song had those really nice harmonies. These harmonies are so dreadful and With just and yeah, yeah, so grating, and so make me want to throw my iPhone out the window of the bus as I'm listening to it, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, there is nothing redeeming about this song whatsoever. Tim Byron, what's redeeming about this song? Uh, my <laughs> mum loved all this kind of like... It, it, I mean, it's soft rock masquerading as country. You know, there's, there's a mandolin, yay. But my mum my loved all this kind of stuff at the time and, and she had like lots of Shania Twain albums, including like one when she wasn't yet called Shania Twain. She was called Shania something else, some sort of different surname thing that she found somewhere. So like she was a big fan. So I heard a lot of this stuff at the time. And I really, really could not stand hearing this stuff at the time. Like, it drove me up the wall hearing it. And so um, so I was expecting to really, really hate listening to this um, this week because it would have been the first time I've listened to this for a very long time. And so putting it on, I was actually sort of surprised by how innocuous it was, I think. Maybe I had sort of low, low expectations, but it wasn't anywhere near as bad as I remember it being just because there was so nothing, there was just so much blandness and nothing in it. Like it wasn't, it, it wasn't sort of bad, like be, because she doesn't kind of over, she, because her singing is not overwrought in kind of the way that Shania Twain's singing is overwrought. Like it's not a fence. Well, Celine Dion singing, you mean? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll say that again. Because no, it's no, just not get a, around. Yeah. All right, all right. Uh, but yeah, because it's not, overawed in that kind of way like it, it it's not physically painful to listen to in the way that i find some celine dion stuff physically painful to listen to and so this is just kind of a bit of nothing rather than 
the kind of thing that I remember making life very difficult to go on while I had to listen to it in the car or something when mum was driving me somewhere. So, um, yeah, so not as annoying as I remember, not quite as cloying as I remember, but it still reminds me of Channel 9 because, you know, they're, they're still the one thing that they've always done. I'm sure they've used this as a thing and it's just got that Channel 9 sound of let's be safe and conservative and nice and boring and, yeah, yeah. Danny. I love it. That means if there was ever a reissue of Shania Twain and you got to write the sticker on the album, you would be not as terrible as you remember <laughs> and, and not physically painful to listen to. <laughs> Given the context of some of what's coming up. <laughs> Casey. Um, so Eileen Edwards... Yeah. Um, really? That's a real name? That's her real name. So, Eileen. Also known as Eileen Twain. Come on, Eileen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very good. Um, wow, I was going to make that pun and I was like, nah. And then you <laughs> know, like, wow. Good. I thought about it too. <laughs> <laughs> so, does, does Shania Twain come up again at all? Did that? No. Nope. I feel like we won't no. get to it. Do this I need, to, it. Do I need to conserve any bile for a later date? Or no, do I just no, let it rip at this away. point? Let it rip. Um, like, I fucking hate this woman so much. <laughs> and it's it's mainly because of that um, Man, I Feel Like a Woman song from a couple of years later. Or, the same album. It's the same, no, it's same album. Yeah, but it could still it be like a few years later. There was like every song on this was a... Yeah. That album was a single. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I just... It was just another one of those things that took the world... I mean, I'm just reading here like, like 40 million albums like copies of this album and I just don't know what happened to people at this point. It was so, and I and I and I can picture the people in my head that fell for this crap. And it's got another friggin' spoken monologue over the start. I didn't know it's what was going brief, on. Though. Well it is. <laughs> but you know what's interesting though, um, when Tim Coyle you talk about how it's just so annoyingly general. Um <laughs> And, and and doesn't actually really let you in on what's good. It's just all these things that can just be applied to everyone. So, therefore, 40 million people go, oh, my gosh, she's speaking about me. It's really mm. interesting in the context of that song that we listened to um, on last week's episode, the 2013 episode that Tim uh, Byron brought in, yeah. the Paramore mm. song, The Still Into You, which is a similar sentiment but actually nails that sentiment and and does actually say something with it and 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 give you something. And have you come around on that song a bit? Oh, it's not that I didn't didn't like it. It's just that I. It, but I, I tell you what, I have had it in my head a bit this week. Yeah, there's the, the thing with that song. She actually tells you some of the things that they do together. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. you get a sense of who they are as a couple. But uh, like, this is just one of those things. I I really really like country music and it took me a long time to come around to liking country music having grown up in Tamworth for, for you know well having grown, grown up in Tamworth full stop but this is still one of those things that makes you know I think we've talked about it Danny when it, it's so hard to explain to someone yeah. that you like country music because they think of things like this you know yeah and and uh, I freaking hate this woman and I hate this song there's really nothing to talk about individually with this song it's just one big Black, disgusting, yuck. Okay. Um, it's okay. No, it's not. <laughs> I, I kind of feel more like Tim Byron. I was expecting worse. And then I listened to this song and then I went, 
I, okay, I guess I, I was trying to figure out, because this is the first single from Come On Over. I looked at the other songs from her previous album. I didn't know them. I think this was before The Monster, or at least before it really got kind of crazy. And from this moment on and all that sort of stuff sort of took it into the stratosphere. This song was... Yeah, oh, from this moment. Oh God, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that, sort of that one. Like I have bad oh, memories of. Mm. I think this yeah, was the same. single that kind of was the crossover single. So she so sort of invite people into her terrible world of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Again, another great feature sticker. Welcome to this horrible world of shit. That's the name of the best of that uh, Tim Byron's going to put out. Um, it's yeah. called Come On Over, dot, 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 to my terrible world of shit. <laughs> Comma, Eileen. Um, <laughs> uh, look, I, I kind of thought that the production is pretty terrible, and but maybe in the hands of Jan Arden or something, it would have been like a Jan Arden song. Like, it just kind of, or like, or like Jewel or someone. Jan Arden like, yeah. would have salvaged it, man. This is the <laughs> most Jan Arden's been spoken about in years. <laughs> but, you know, it's got like, as Klein, like, it just sounds like a Jewel song, really. It's kind of mainly acoustic until you get to the chorus and then it just goes to Mutt Lang territory. But I guess I do agree with Casey in the, in the sense that there are greater crimes with this woman, but those crimes, I think, have not quite happened yet on this song. And yeah, I, I, I certainly can't separate this song from the, the the greater crimes. Now you, now here's a question for you, Casey. You would have been working in music retail. Not when was this? 98? 98, 99. Not quite. But 90, 90,000? Oh, when did I start? I started in two thousand. Yeah. Okay, because I was working in record retail at this point. The number of copies that went through my hand of handing it over to people is. Probably still more than CDs I own to this day. Like what, yeah. you would have to order. And you own like shitloads of CDs for people yeah. at home. I swear, in like the the weeks that this was around, I would have been handing over a copy every five minutes to someone, and then it stayed there. Like we where just, were you working as well? You were working in a suburban mall in Campsie in a very small go. store. Yeah. A Brashes and was Brashes still around at that point? No, it wasn't a Brashes. <laughs> But then, like, I would have just been handing come on over, over and then they re-released it like two or three times. What with bonus, bonus tracks and like a slipcase, and then that kept going. Yeah, and it was I have memories of restocking it, putting it into the chart wall. It was huge, and I think it is the highest selling album of the '90s or something stupid like that as well. So, uh, yeah, Shania Twain. I will. I can't get over that. Like, it just was such a mammoth record, and. Yeah, so you weren't selling it by the time you got to retail? Oh, I was probably still... It was possibly on the sale tables by that point. Um, the, the, the the one thing I do want to bring up about Shania Twain, though, is that um, Tim, a guy we went to school with... Named <laughs> his daughter Shania. Yep. Yeah. You remember that? Remember. Named his daughter Shania. He did. Yeah. Oh, like, wow. As I'm sure many parents did. Yeah. Happens. I was going to name my daughter Jan Arden. So... <laughs> Jan Arden. Jan Arden, yeah. Arden, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you already have a daughter and you've forgotten about it. <laughs> Jan? The song is about you. <laughs> dead be dead. So insensitive. <laughs> or Shaznay. <laughs> <laughs> so Shania Twain, the rest of her career, I mean, yeah, as, as Tim Coyle said, this was like better than Thriller. There's 12 singles associated with this album. <laughs> Well, singles. Well, singles. There weren't even twelve songs Jack on the album. Gives us sixteen songs. Um, oh God. 
What do we think? I mean, we talked about Man, I Feel Like a Woman. Any thoughts on that song? My only thoughts are if there are 16 songs on this album and 12 are singles, what the hell was going on with the other four? I mean, how dreadful. (laughs) (laughs) Our next song of tonight was number one for one week on the 7th of June, 1998. And this is Steps with 5, 6, 7, 8. That was Steps with 5678, number one, mercifully for one week on the 7th of June, 1998. Or maybe I'm speaking too soon. Maybe uh, there will be a lover around it off the table, and maybe it will be Tim Byron. 5678. This is like Cotton Eye Joe and Macarena like mashed together into a horrible <laughs> pile of shit that makes Shania Twain look like the fucking Beach Boys. <laughs> Steps, what are you doing? Stop! <laughs> but, um, you- yeah, this was, um, I, I went and did my research, and this was produced by Pete Waterman uh, of Stock 8 and Waterman fame, who had um, produced all those, like, Jason Donovan and Kylie and this and, you know, all those kind of late 80s, high-energy kind of synthy stuff that sounds exactly the same. And this is what, you know, he, he'd been quiet on the charts since about 92, and now he's back, baby. And, um... Did he have to? Really? Did he have to? <laughs> Surely, like, I should be so lucky. Like, he's got, like, a million dollars, like, a bi- probably tens of million dollars out of that one song, and it's not enough for him. He has to come back and, and, and put this in the, in the charts. And so, fuck you, Pete Waterman. <laughs> <laughs> Casey Atkins. Like, I, um, I can't muster a lot of hate for this. Yeah, really? Yeah, I kind of find it... Difficult, difficult, and at the same time pointless to muster any hate for this whatsoever. I actually find it really catchy. Um, it's <laughs> like, is it because you spend a lot of time listening to very simple music because you've got a kid? Well, you know, it's two funny. Plus two is four. It's two plus two. Is it's four. funny. Uh, I did listen to these um, to these songs in the um, <laughs> in the car today with Jarvis. As I always do, and it's a really interesting thing to get a bit of a handle on on the the songs. This is your son, Jarvis. Yes, yes, this is my son, Jarvis. Not Jarvis Cocker from Pulp. I wasn't in the (laughs) today. Um, It's interesting to get a handle on the songs from ninety percent hits that he that he likes, and he'll just say, you know, this is boring, Dad, and or or you know, I like that one, and he liked this one, and I said, oh, you did, did you? And he said, yeah, because it was fast, and and like. All right. And, he made me, <laughs> and you know what? He made me play it three or four times and 
I was pretty, I was happy enough to hear it three or four times. I was much happier to hear this than still the one by Shania fucking Twain. That's got something to hate about it. This, I don't see what's to hate about this, to be honest. I, um, like, all right. Okay, understatement of the year. It's a little repetitive. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess. But honestly, I, it's just a silly dancing song about dancing. And it's fast and it's not a altogether uh, terrible hook. And and there you go. That's me in steps. <laughs> and, yeah. oh, and sorry. And the uh, there is another thing about the song as well. We, um, we watched... Um, the sitcom, the ABC sitcom, um, Please Like Me. Did anybody else watch this? It's Josh Thomas's sitcom, if you know Josh it Thomas. It sounds like we right. about after we've got it on the table. Okay, fair enough. But it features, this song features a little, as a little bit of a recurring thing in this in a really funny way. And for that reason, I, I also couldn't hate it as well because that was in my head when I was listening to it. Right, like um, how, like none of the Roxbury uses... What is love, baby? Don't hurt me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, whereas that made me like that song because it was used so funnily. In that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's used really, really funnily in uh, in yeah, okay. in that, and it just. What was the show again? Uh, Please like me, Josh Thomas. So it may still be on iView. I might be gone. Okay, Tim Coyle. Oh, song, Jim. <laughs> it'll melt your face. It's, oh. no. This this song is just. When the 90s takes a complete psychotic break. <laughs> really. It's like we talked about fractally shit the other week. And, that, that, you know, things can be fractally shit. Or there can be like an event horizon of complete and utter shittiness. This is this deep, dark, dense core of a collapsed galaxy of shit. Just <laughs> completely imploding on itself. Um, How does it compare to Shania Twain for you? This is so much worse. <laughs> yeah, I just—that's what I just don't understand. Why you'd bother? I don't know. <laughs> so, do, do you remember this song from back in the day? Uh, you couldn't really escape it, and you know there are enough morons in school that actually would listen to this kind of thing, and you know you'd just kind of be there scratching your head as to quite why that happened to be the case, but. I don't know. You know, look, look, this is the thing. In the English language, we have a vocabulary to describe such, describe such horrors as torture and war and stuff like that. There's no words adequate to describing what this song is. It's just like, you know, our, our language hasn't advanced far enough. This is kind of like trying to measure antimatter in the universe. You can't. <laughs> Not yet. You know it's there, but... And, you know, that's the thing. I, I, I get what Casey's saying that, you know, well, what's the point in hating it? And it's kind of, you know, if this tree fell in the woods and you're not around to hear it, why get yourself worked up about it? But I don't know. You heard this, this tree fall in the woods in 1998 and it's still Exactly. Bugs. And that's the thing. It's like post-traumatic stress disorder. Every day when I get it, go into work and the elevator opens, I'm just worried that some high-stepping floozy with some shit-eating grins going to be there singing this song at me. Uh, I, I must agree with Tim Coyle. I hate this song. This is a fucking crime. Um, this is, you know, what, what can you say? Like, let me count the things I hate about it. 
Five, six, seven. <laughs> <laughs> the members of Steps. What the hell are they on? Have you seen them? They look like fucking... Oh, oh, they especially them. the guy who does the, the guy, The guy who does the rapping. The guy who does the rapping. You know, when someone... He goes to dinner parties and they go, What are you doing? I'm the Steps. Which one are you? I'm the guy who does the rapping. <laughs> fucking hell. And he gets punched. Like, what, what does that guy do? And then... The other people would be like, what do you do? I'm in steps. I'm one of the girls. Which one? I don't know either. Like, <laughs> oh, that's the thing. I'm, I'm the other guy. Which one? Oh, the guy who does nothing. He's just there and my hair's blonde. And my shirt's open. That's all I do. So and it's, it's all I will ever do. Shit. Uh, it's catchy because it's repetitive. It's the same thing 19 times. Anything is catchy after 19 times. It, like, the smallest of its crimes. <laughs> The smallest of its crimes. Most things are fatal after 19 times. I think one more verse it would have been. Uh, the One of the smaller crimes, but one that really bugs me, is just what the tenuously this song is about. It's about liking dudes wearing cowboy shit. And I just think of urban cowboy oh, and bastards. The, and, the, and the best thing about it, the film clip, is on the beach. Yeah, no, <laughs> Beach. I mean, what the fuck? Cowboys I mean, doing on the I beach. Know, I know there's beaches in like the Carolinas and Virginia, but you know, not in Kentucky. <laughs> no, definitely no beaches in Kentucky. <laughs> well, no, the only funny, where did they find a beach in in England that looked like that? Yeah, yeah well, in, Sound Studios in America. Yeah, <laughs> the only thing that's ever redeemed me about Steps. Is that they named an album Steptacular? <laughs> I remember when they came out. It's like Millennium. <laughs> yeah, it's like Millennium. I remember going, that is awesome. That is the fans' legacy, Steptacular. Uh, that was that that is the redeeming feature for me. But it is the worst film clip. Did anyone here learn the dance? No. No, I'm just looking at it now though. Yeah. I feel like just, learning it. <laughs> five, six. Oh, it is just yeah, I hate them. And they just, like, were... And oh, it's I, an ass-slapping good time. What are you talking about? And the about? thing is, the, the fact that they are aimed at kids, but, <laughs> yeah. like... Oh, just... well, I guess, like, yeah, like, the thing with being aimed at kids is that this was, what, six months after Aqua's Barbie Girl and stuff mm. like that. Like, people had figured out, and Pete Waterman had obviously figured out, okay, there's a market for eight-year-olds and ten-year-olds who want to listen to music... Um, you know, that, that they're going to want, like, simple stuff that sounds like nursery rhymes that is repetitive and, you know, like all the Wiggles stuff that their parents probably made them listen to a couple of years beforehand. And, um, I mean, the Wiggles are better than this. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's so, like, marketed as a particular demographic and, like, the, the dance was easy for the kids to learn. And so, you know, us, you know, we were all, what, 18, like, 17, 16 at this point when, when this came out. And so we were totally not the target market. Yeah, I was 17. Yeah, but, yeah, but, but even then, I mean, this song makes Aqua look like Proust, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Just, that's the yeah. thing. This is this kind of children's entertainment that's very Nickelodeon. I'm a Madeline. It just kind of, 
you know, it, after you watch it for seven minutes, you're like, oh, I need to lie down. <laughs> yeah, there's, if you, if you, if you, like the Ben Folds thing, if you're gonna write text, you might as well have subtext. <laughs> not only is there no subtext, there's barely text. It's like over text. <laughs> Whatever the other side of it is, and like the, the image, it was when like kids' music started getting a bit too slutty. And I don't think we get to talk about the Venga Boys, but we get there. And I, I just remember thinking that was a bit weird. That, you know, these songs are sung by people who look like, you know, they enjoyed having their drink spiked and fucking sleeping with multiple men. And before you think I'm sexist, I'm actually talking about the guy who's rapping. Um, <laughs> so, you know. So he's just being homophobic instead. <laughs> yeah. There are no winners in this. We are in Australia. I guess part of the success of this is probably also the kids, but it's also probably that kind of Can we point out he looks people. like Joe Bluth? Sorry. Yeah. There's that mark... There's Sorry. that market. Sorry. There's, there's that market of, um, of, of people who have been clubbing so much and their brains have been so fried by ecstasy <laughs> that, like, you know... Like, the Bang Boys had that Going to Ibiza song and, like, you know, this is that. Like, their, their minds are so fried by ecstasy that, like, this sounds, like, you know, very deep to them. I think that there's a bit of that in the market for this song as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, I give it a pass. <laughs> How much ecstasy have you had, Casey? <laughs> Today? <laughs> Our fourth song of tonight was number one for one week from in June of 1998, and this is Casey and JoJo with All My Life. kind of figure it out beforehand that Casey would be the first to go for this song. <laughs> Maybe. Well played, yeah. Well played. That was Casey and Jojo with All My Life. Uh, number one for one week in 1998. Fuck you. Who should we start with on this one? Well, the person who it has most personal significance. <laughs> who might that be, Tim Collins? <laughs> Casey <laughs> Casey yep. Would you like to tell us Your special relationship With this song <laughs> Oh dear um, The funny thing about Casey Okay yes my name's Casey And my wife's name is Joe. Very funny Get it all out Laugh laugh Very good yes <laughs> <laughs> Oh 
Um, <laughs> Should we put some like laughing music in for the listener? <laughs> Like crippled Irishman. <laughs> um, and <coughs> when um, so Joe and I met, we worked together in a record shop, and when it started becoming obvious to others that there may have been something starting to, uh, you know. Uh, like it was, it was that situation with Joe and I that other people knew before we did, right? But um, but there was this one guy who who started putting Casey and JoJo records on all the time. <laughs> can, we get a, can we get a guess? I'm gonna high five. Is there another iPad here? We could Skype that guy in as well. Hello, Shane, if you're listening. There is so little chance that you're listening. Um, Anyway, yeah. So, I mean, that's all, really, that um, that Shane used to play Casey and Jojo records. And and yes, occasionally somebody, that people have bought it up from time to time. Um, That said, these guys are friggin' no ones though, right? Like, okay, they had a number one song in Australia for five minutes, but, like, apart from that, I didn't remember this song. I remembered, um, like, there's this one of the song called Let's Get Married, which was the song that Shane used to play all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So I remember it for that reason and that reason only. Like, I don't remember it because of it, like, because of it actually being around. But they're just one of those, um, or it is just one of those <laughs> anonymous R&B songs. And um, and I believe that the KC and JoJo are the C and the Joe out of Jodeci. Yes, um, which I loved. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, well, let, 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 let's go straight to you then, because I've got nothing <coughs> else to say about KC and JoJo. Oh, I mean, <laughs> they were, you know, they were right there with, Velvet DeVoe and Mean Condition and like all those sort of bands that I loved, not loved, but like I, I guess I liked them all and I got a couple of their records in the early part of the 90s. I mean, there mm. was all those boy groups and they were two of the four and then they sort of uh, went and did their own thing. And this was the, this is sort of it, right? They sort of, and this was, <sighs> the thing I want I want to really sort of, I guess for me, point out this that around this time I was working in a record store and there was almost something that you could call indie R&B records. Right. The mm. odd thing that just came out on Jive that was like... This wasn't it though, was it? No, but like, you know, it wasn't supposed to chart. It wasn't like you um, just sort of... It was there to fill out the R&B section. It was like the seventh Brian McKnight album. Like, it was just yeah. these things and then a developing artist that maybe one day would do something. They would like... There was as many of these in the mid-90s as there were grunge bands. And this is one of them. This would have been like friggin' the guy from Alice in Chains doing a solo record that he just filed in the alternative section, never touched the charts. He, he did, you know. Yes, I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jimmy Cantrell did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the other guy died. So That's true. Yeah. yeah. He might still do a record, I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, two-pack style. But uh, 
Uh, <laughs> look, it just... Zombie Lane Steve. <laughs> <laughs> he looks awesome. like a zombie at the time anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's just like watching an episode of The Walking Dead anyway. It's the next name of my next band. Um, <laughs> You shot the zombie Lane Stanley. He was a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, like, I was working in retail at the time and I was kind of interested in this kind of scene and this song was a surprise. This song came out of nowhere. It's so banal that it managed to, to hit everyone. Mm. It was so... It's it's like... Oh, I'm going to offend someone by saying this, but it, it was like Christianity. You can just put your own life into it, even though it's, like, not about you. And, like, <laughs> and everyone just thought that this is my song. This was probably used in weddings immediately. And it got to number one. So I don't think it was supposed to. And this wasn't, like, a freaking million-dollar record. And they weren't even really a slow jams kind of band or kind of group, but this song did it. And it kind of, if, if anything, the good thing about the success of this song is that it set this expectation for the band that they could never reach. And then they died. So not literally, obviously. Yeah. Uh, yeah <laughs> no, no, that was like Lady Staley. Went, went <laughs> and then they formed zombie Casey and Jojo. Uh, look, it's not a great song. It's so shit. Uh, like, at le- when I said about You're Still the One, that maybe Jewel could cover it and would sound sort of average. No one could cover this song <laughs> and make it sound average. This is just a shit song. Uh, the performance of it is just that, like, the worst elements of Boys to Men, of that overacting, over-singing. They're pounding their hearts while they sing it. And, like, it's just like, yeah, this is so emotional to me, but it has no emotion in it whatsoever. And, yeah, it is... A crap song. The only thing about it that makes it remain in my life for any reason is the fact that my friend Casey is married to a Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Kyle. Yes, very good. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, that's the thing when I talk about steps representing a psychotic break. You know, this is just kind of rolling around its own filth. Stage of that thing you're kind of in a padded cell and you know that's your entertainment and <laughs> it's kind of where this is it's just i, I find, don't know I find your De- use of metaphor very yeah, intriguing De- De- danny talks about you know the 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 commitment of the performance and the beating in the heart mm. no this goes back to what i was saying earlier and that tim byron's mentioned this is so lazy and um you know listless and it's kind of the odd thing is there's no coherence to this song whatsoever. Um, that, you know, you've gone from steps to this where nothing is repeated except the chorus a couple of times. None of the verses sound the same in any way. And it's just lazily thrown together. A lot of the harmonies are just kind of la 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 for no apparent reason in the middle. It's just kind of. Why are there harmonies there? I don't yeah. understand. But look, my, my only personal connection to this song, other than my best friend's name is Casey and his wife is Joe. <laughs> ha! <laughs> Classic. <laughs> um, my only other personal connection was that... Keep going. What, <laughs> one of my sister's friends who I, I had a big crush on at one stage came over to the house and she put this on and it's like... It's dead. <laughs> that's it. Oh, right. Yeah, nice. You know, I, ca- I can't. That's it. Yeah, I don't think I could go out with a girl who no. like this song either. Yeah. 
Tim Byron, what about you? Could you could you be in love with a woman who loved this song? Uh, maybe if it was in a in a yeah, maybe if it was in an ironic way, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> the correct the, answer was only if it was JD. <laughs> <laughs> because like, the, Damn. I guess the main memory I have of this song is that um is that Casey Atkins was clever enough to entrust to me the job of putting together the playlist for his wedding. <laughs> Did I? Yes. <laughs> and, um, and, and JD, who, who, was, who was living with, with me at the time, um, had that suggestion of, you should put Casey and JoJo's All My Life on that playlist <laughs> and wait for it to come on. And, and I was like, yes, yes, I will. <laughs> Because, <laughs> um, like, honestly, it's a song that I, I very, very vaguely remembered from the time. By 98, I wasn't paying attention to Rage and I wasn't paying attention to the charts in the same way I was even, like, a year before. And so this is a song that kind of slipped me by, but when I heard it at the time when we found it online on probably on, I don't know, Napster was gone by then, but it would have been some sort of BitTorrent site or something. LimeWire. LimeWire. Maybe it was SoulSeek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, audio Galaxy. Yeah. Audio, audio Galaxy. But yeah, anyway, like I listened to it then and I was like, oh yeah, I guess I kind of know this. But yeah, like it's not a song that I remember from the time. And I guess uh, coming up in the next few podcasts, we're going to have a lot of these ones that are just like, oh yeah, I guess that was a song. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, so at the time I didn't have much of a, a relationship to this song. And yeah, like, like um, Danny was saying, it's just like, there's just so much overacting on this. And it's got the kind of singing where they they're so into the kind of singing that they're doing and trying to do all the clever kind of melodic tricks and the melismas and things like that. They forget there's actually a melody in the verse. And, <laughs> and, and so you kind of get confused as to like, where are we in the song? Because they're just over singing it. And that's the thing mm. that Mariah Carey sometimes does, but, um, but that, you know, the, the various you know, contestants on Australian Idol and stuff did all the time. And so that kind of thing is so uncool now as a result of it just being overdone on um, Australian Idol and the like. So, yeah. Um, all my life, it's, it's, um, the, the, the other thing with this song is like, there's something about the lyrics that reminds me of, there's that South Park episode where, <laughs> where Cartman decides to put together the, um, <laughs> the Christian band and, and he takes all these like really inappropriate songs and, and puts in like, you know, God in it. And, and this is one that, for some reason, this, this reminds me of like that in that this is basically a, like a pretty kind of gaudy kind of song that like you know it, it's it's meant to be sort of a wedding love song but you could pretty much re- you know replace the kind of words of you with god or like her with god or whatever and like it would just be a, a christian rock song and it's, it's got you, that kind of thing about it do you find it strange that he's singing to a girl that you're like my mother you're like my father. well yeah yes. <laughs> the squeaky undertone god, i didn't even listen to the lyrics that closely yeah, really yeah. incest What's it, yeah, or maybe she's tucking him in at night. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, the, the lyrics to it are really weird. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, you're close to me. You're like my mother. Yeah. Oh, whoa. Yeah, there's something there's something off there. Like, and but it's the kind of thing that if you change everything from girl to you, like you know, I'll never like. God, you were close to me like you're my mother, close to me like your father. It all makes sense. And I wonder whether it actually was a Christian song originally and they've changed, like, God to girl. They've gone the opposite of Cartman. That's your second Sister Act reference tonight, by the way. <laughs> my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Sister Act's been on my mind since we were talking about Lauren Hill, I guess. 
<laughs> Our fifth and last one of tonight was the highest selling single of 1998. This was number one for six weeks from the 21st of June 1998. And this is Ricky Martin with Tim and Emma Emma. No, Cup of Life. <laughs> <laughs> Cup of Life by Ricky Martin, number one for six weeks uh, from the 21st of June 1998. Tim Coy, why don't we start with you, but also tell us what this song, for those who weren't there, <laughs> what this song was released for, what okay. world event? Well, the, the, okay, this the song was the song for the 1998 World Cup, which was held in France, um, and but kind of, uh, I guess one thing, Put this back to back with Amigos Paris Sempre. <laughs> this yeah. sounds incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Put it back to back with three of the five songs we've listened to tonight. It sounds incredible. Um, <clears throat> look, this song does what it needs to do. Uh, I think that's kind of all you can really say for it. It's got to appeal for a lot of markets it's got to appeal to a european market it's got to appeal to an english-speaking market it's got to appeal to the south american market it's got to appeal to an asian market um it's got to cover all those bases and you know it does that um and you know ricky martin is a pretty charismatic performer and the horns on this are quite nice um in their way but you know it's this is just if it, this is just a, a song to promote a, an event it's pretty it's very shallow there's there's not a lot to it it's got a lot of energy and um as i say compare it with amigos paris siempre that that energy really comes through mm. and you know a big sporting event such as that it is actually able to convey the the enthusiasm and the and the energy behind that which is which is great look um now you know, I've been a been a football fan since since I was a kid, and um, you know, the nineteen ninety eight World Cup I watched most games uh, for, even though they were on uh, European time, which means very late evenings and early mornings kinds of kind of things. But yeah, look, I've always been obsessed with football, and. <clears throat> 
you know, this song doesn't necessarily speak to me a whole lot about. Oh, really? That. No. Do you no. have good memories of it because of? Oh, the... it's a, you know, it's a, it's okay. I it mean, was played all the it time. It was, it was, and look, I, I think the thing is, what I'm saying is, like, the World Cup is actually the biggest sporting event on the planet. It's bigger than the Olympics, um, and it, it's such a diverse range of listeners and markets you have to appeal to with this and someone like Ricky Martin is a good choice to be able to do that but where I was at at the time it's not going to connect with me and look in my mind France went up and uh kind of Laurent Blanc and Didier Deschamps lifted the World Cup and sang No Genre Caturien which is good yeah France won that year which you know that didn't happen but that's what I wanted to happen. <laughs> and, oh, really? Yeah, no. Have um, they ever won before? No, France has not won the World Cup before. Yeah, we're um, turning to a sports podcast now. And, cool. well, <laughs> and, I mean, they, they were the home nation and they were they were not favourites going into the final either uh, against Brazil, but they, they won pretty comprehensively. So, yeah. Well, after that kind of small digression, let's get back to the song with Tim Byron, Cup of Life. Yeah, I want to point out that Cup of Life um, was a double A side and Maria was also a pretty big song because I personally remember Maria more than the Cup of Life um, because I just wasn't that into football, which I have learnt now to call football rather than soccer. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> Because people complain. Anyway, um, yeah, for me, I mean, like, in, in terms of the two songs, like, they're the same song. Maria is almost exactly the same song as Cup of Life. They both have that undos tray thing that they, that they both do, and they both kind of, like, have the same beat and the same kind of instrumentation. They're kind of the same song. Maria is apparently originally from 95 or so, and it got re-released, and then I think Cup of Life was tacked onto it, or it became the big single, or there's some story like that. But, um, yeah, they're, they're basically the same song. So, from now on, we may as well just talk about the cup of life and I'll talk about my relationship to football. Uh, I grew up within sight of Sydney's Marconi Club back in the days when there was, um, like, a, when there was the league, the old sort back of... Back in the um, days, there was a Marconi Club. <laughs> sorry? Back in the days, there was a Marconi Club. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, the Marconi Club was this huge, massive monstrosity that there was a big club that just got bigger and bigger and bigger and took over, the, like, nearby... Uh, fields and stuff so they could get bigger and put in more pokies and stuff like that as far as I could tell and, and I'd never really paid that much attention to football not coming from a sort of a one of the ethnic backgrounds where that matters in in, in Australia I guess uh, Marconi Club was a very Italian club and so there were lots of Italian kids at school who liked that kind of thing and I think basically I probably didn't pay much attention to the sport uh, at all until probably 1998 because I do remember the um the whole thing that happened with uh, Australia and Iran, where there were the um, the, the two kind of uh, playoff matches, and one of them was going to get into the the actual World Cup, and they were both basically draws, and because they were both draws, uh, Iran got in instead of Australia or something like that. Yeah, there's a big controversy there. So, well, I mean, for, for those point, of home who don't know, away, away goals count for yeah. double in the point. event of a, of a draw. Iran had two, and we had one away goal. Yeah. So, so yeah. So I remember that being a big thing at the time, like a really big thing at the time, and like friends going to see the match and, and stuff like like that. I think maybe. But um, Tim, the big question is: Did you know that Ricky Martin was gay at this point? <laughs> you you kind of guessed, really, because like really, because I couldn't have guessed that. So, well, I think uh, Ricky Martin had more sex than everyone in this podcast, and everyone who's listening to this podcast combined <laughs> with women. <laughs> And then know, he came like, out as gay. 
it. To, to be honest, I don't think I ever thought about which sex he put his penis inside of. No, it's kind of everyone, I think, was at the point where no one gave a shit anymore, really. Yeah, and when he when he came out eventually, like, you know, a couple of years ago or whatever, like, the the massive reaction was, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Oh, as, 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 as it well should be. What yeah. was your reaction, Casey, when you, when you discovered that Ricky Martin was gay? <laughs> How did that affect your life? How did that reflect? Did you go back to listen to all the albums in a new light? <laughs> I don't understand the question. <laughs> um, I just so I don't understand the question, and I refuse to answer. <laughs> yes, Ricky Martin or Curly Fries? No, not going to answer. <laughs> um, this song, so the Amigos Parasempre reference is a really good one. Um, the reference that I had in my head um, in terms of something that we've spoken about before. A little bit more recently, um, when we talked about the Men in Black song, the Will Smith thing from the Men in Black film, and we had a bit of a conversation about songs written for a purpose and uh, they can be good and they can be Mm. friggin' awful. And I think as a song written for a purpose, this is fucking great. Um, Like, uh, as something that really uh, invokes the emotion and the spirit and the passion and the, you know, the crowd noise that's mixed through it. And the, you know, the horns that we've talked about and, and his energy is incredible. And talked about him as a, a charismatic performer. And I think that this just nails exactly what it is supposed to do. And just does, does an absolutely amazing job of it. Do I like it? Not really but I can't for the reasons that I've just spoken about I can't really dislike it it's something that had to be there and it could have been so much worse it could have been Amigos Paris and Prayer or it could have been Steps it could it could have you know it could really easily have been something that did a bad job of what it was supposed to do right Casey and this, <laughs> and this could is have just been Michelle Platini serenading the walk <laughs> All my life, I've dreamed of you. And, and this is just something that does a really good job of what it was supposed to do, and and therefore yeah. I can't, I, I really yeah. can't have any problem with it. And it's not this song is not about a song. You know, it's not about music. It's not I about agree. being a song, and it's not supposed to. And it's perfectly inoffensive. And um, and my God, 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 we heard a lot. Oh wow, we heard a lot. Um, but it's just, you know. Oh, look, I, I agree with you, Casey. It, it's amazing how well it does its job. Mm. Uh, it's so general about, you know, in, we can get there if we want to, sort of, let's motivate yourself, which is what all good sporting songs are. It's a really great motivator. And then to use the um, the image of the Cup of Life, because it's the World Cup, mm. uh, it's really clever. Like, I mean, this song is... Possibly the best official World Cup song that we've ever had. I mean, New Order and stuff, their songs are not official. Well, that wasn't, yeah, that wasn't official. So, it just is. It's it's still kind of the anthem for the World Cup and any sporting event. It's a great sporting song. It gets played behind the graphics of frigging wide water sports all the time because it totally did the job and still does it almost better than any other song. Mm. And listening to it this week... Fuck, you know, like... And then I watched a film clip as well and he's dancing on stage and the girl's looking at him fine... And then that chorus kicks in, that, you know, here we go, ole, 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 
cup of life. Well, the, the, the fact that it sounds like there is a stadium behind mm. him is, like, is, is, you know, that's a good touch. It's the greatest football chant chorus ever. Like, what what more do you need? Like, he's well, not going for anymore. It's a fucking amazing chorus. Like, yeah. Uh, I, Every guy who likes football in the world now knows that. Yeah, I, I think that I think the the other thing with that is like you know it's like terrace culture um, with <laughs> chants and stuff is so rich and across different cultures is um, is so different. I mean, yeah. you know, look, having stood on <coughs> terraces, well, not terraces, having kind of sat in stadiums in the UK and stood on terraces in Germany and France and um, mm. in a lot of different places. It's kind of, yeah, terrace culture is quite different. And oh, for half a second, I thought what, you said What are terraces? I thought, I I thought you said terrace culture. culture there for a second. No, 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 no. T- terraces are the old standing areas of grounds in Europe. Mm. Um, uh, so what happened after Hillsborough in the UK is they changed all stadiums to all-seater in most of Europe. Right. Um, Germany still has terracing where people stand. It's been fine. Okay. Um, but, yeah. So I'm um, talking about double-story houses. Well, in the like, no. Like, like a balcony, I guess. Or yeah, it's a, well, kind of a, a, um, a protrusion from... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Having, having watched <laughs> football in a number of different countries... To actually write a song that encapsulates all of that is nigh on impossible. And the thing is, whatever you're going to do is going to iron out a lot of the the kind of classic terrorist wit of every culture um, (laughs) that there is. And this song does that. But the thing is, they had an eye on the energy of what was going on there. And that chorus with the very big stadium chant thing really captures that. And look, it, it is what it is. As I say, it's it's ironing out a lot of those little cultural differences and uh, a lot of the more bawdy and funny chants, yeah. um, you know, gets rid of that. But it still captures something of the essence of being in a stadium and watching a game. Something that I think this song gets in, in a good way is that... Um, when when we think of football in Australia, like one of the very strong images we get is like teams like from places like Argentina and Brazil and um, and Mexico and like you know all the all the you know because football is just so massive in um, in South America, and because this um, because Ricky Martin's from Puerto Rico and because this has got definitely the sound of of South America that kind of like the kind of the Sambury kind of salsa kind of party music kind of thing going on. It, it really works in getting the vibe of like, you know, seeing Brazil play at, um, and seeing like how, how much joy there is in the way that they play uh, when you watch a game. It's got, it's got a lot of that in it. And I think there's something in that, which is, which is really great about the song that gets that, that, um, you know, even though it's not a song I will ever listen to again, really, unless I hear it, you know, played over the, you know, the credits of when I next watch football. Um, yeah. It's not a French song. Yeah. Exactly. Well, the, that was the odd thing about it. It's very much in the South American, mm. uh, which, you know, that was the expectation of this World Cup that Brazil were going to win it. Yeah. Um, which That's it the expectation played... in every World Cup. Yeah, it? It, it, it kind of, yeah, it kind <laughs> of is. Um, but, yeah, the, that expectation, I think... It's like watching the Harlem Globetrotters, yeah. really. Take it, take it, take it! <laughs> He's got a ladder. Come on. Before <laughs> <laughs> hey, we wrap this up, uh, we just have to quickly talk about Ricky Martin, surely. Uh, do we care? No. No. 
He's fine. Living La Vida Loca. She bangs. I've got very. You were surely selling his albums when you oh, were working at retail. Oh, at yes, time, right? absolutely. He's a huge star. Yeah, for sure. And oh, look, there's there's this. He wasn't hateable. No, he's not. No, that's he's the, not. I guess that's the thing. I don't think he's he's particularly hateable, and so that's fine. Someone's got to be doing this shit, and <laughs> it's true. Someone yeah. is going to be doing this. Not every bloody song on the radio is going to sound like Wilco. I. I dealt with that years ago. (laughs) And there's always going to be something like this. And if Ricky Martin's one of the ones that's doing it, Mm. then fine. Fine. And musically, I reckon this is more interesting than like steps. Like there's more going on in terms of the weird rhythms and things like that, that are cool, you know, like it's, there's something going on that like someone who's vaguely musical can listen to and go, oh yeah, I see what that's doing in a way you can't with steps. That brings us to the end of another episode of 90% Hits. And as usual, we will go around the table and see what everyone's favourite song is from this week. And that sh- this should be very interesting. Let's just <laughs> recap uh, the songs that we spoke about tonight. We spoke about uh, All Saints, Never Ever, Shania Twain, You're Still the One, Steps, 5678, Casey and Jojo, All My Life, and Ricky Martin, The Cup of Life. Tim Byron. Yeah, for me, I think um, when I was talking about Never Ever by All Saints, like, I, I was criticising it, but, like, it is still the best thing here, like, by quite some distance, and it, it's a great song. It's just, like, not quite the performance it should be, but the song is good enough that that doesn't matter. So, yeah, so for me, Never Ever by All Saints. Uh, I'd have to agree with you, Tim Byron. I think Never Ever by All Saints is my choice as well. Casey Atkins. Steps. <laughs> you do like country music and you love cowboys and uh, uh, never ever <laughs> no. you are you, you only pick steps because you're trying to be contrary Casey I know it it's because we will um, be laughing at you with Casey and Jojo so you're just like fuck like, it I'm going to pick which, steps which, which, which now makes you the Andrew Bolt of this club <laughs> not necessarily I mean you fucking take that back <laughs> <laughs> no it's okay like, I mean, didn't object to all the Casey and Jojo <laughs> We can cut this out, but what was the worst song that we talked about tonight? Ugh. Steps. Steps. Oh, see, I don't think it's Steps. I think I think okay. Casey and Jojo. Oh, that's Shania. Yeah, you see, I don't I don't think it's that clear. So you know, Steps still wins. <laughs> you, you can tell we've got to this. Yeah, you can tell we've got to the uh, end of the '90s when we're, once we're starting to think, well, what's the worst of these songs? Where we're just, <laughs> yeah. we just don't care anymore. Like we're, we're we're over these songs mostly. Well, congratulations to All Saints for winning the first thing they've ever won. And, uh... <laughs> well, the, the, the only thing to add to that is, I mean, I know we've been saying it with increasing frequency, but is this the worst week we have done? Uh, I think last no. week was worse. Last week was really? worse. Uh... Yeah. There was no Celine Dion in this week, and that's the only thing to make. true. But there was Shania Twain. And look, I didn't hate Couple of Life, and I didn't hate Never Ever. So, yeah. like, you know, yeah. I'm like, okay. And I didn't even, like... There was nothing really that makes me want to, like, you know, kick a cripple. So, you know, it's just like, <laughs> oh. yeah. <laughs> anyway, on, on with the show. Casey, do you want to let people where they know where they can find us on the internet? Oh, same places. If you haven't found us, if you haven't found us there by now, you're never going to. So, you know, <laughs> just and, take a guess, really. And we've got a Tumblr. You already know about it. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, and you probably found us on iTunes and what I'm saying. But yeah, look, we do 
as much as we're flipping about it, we do love feedback. We do love we hearing do. from you. So on the Facebook, on the Tumblr blog, on iTunes, please leave us a message. We reply to just about everything. And yeah, we love talking to you guys out there. Uh, and until next week, if you know what happened to Mary, please let us know. <laughs> Deep breath, everyone. Down to... I'm going to actually refill my wine. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just get you a straw? With whiskey. <laughs> <laughs>